Welcome to Finish Lines and Milestones with Allie Brettnacher. Incredible stories and tales of triumphs with everyday people achieving their goals in fitness. This podcast brought to you by Athlete Bouquets. Celebrate finish lines and milestones of the people that you love by visiting athletebouquets.com. Hello there, this is Allie Brettnacher, your host. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to say thank you to Beyond Monumental. This last Saturday, we had our inaugural Indianapolis 5K and our 10th annual Monumental Mile. And this is the third year that my family and I have gone and done the mile. And I volunteered this year bright and early at Packet Pickup and was able to sneak in the 5K as well. Figured somebody on the board should check it out, make sure the course was good. And it was awesome. Highly recommend this race for anybody local to Indy or anybody coming here over the summer. I imagine we'll do something similar with the setup next year. It was on a Saturday this year in the morning, which was really nice. So thank you to our team. It was such a fun event. Our five-year-old Sydney ran for her third year and we did a 12.08 minute mile. And it's just so fun to see her do it. I just am in awe of watching her. And it's cute having my husband, Zach, tell her to say thank you to the police officers and all that good stuff. So it was really fun. So thank you. And this episode of Finish Lines and Milestones is is really good. It's a little longer, but not by much than a typical episode. But there was a lot that we needed to cover with my guest, Chris Jones. So Chris and I, you'll hear how we met. We met through a mutual friend. And his story is nuts. He didn't start running all that long ago. And when you hear how he got into running and what he's overcome, you will be in awe like I was. So we talked about, I don't want to give too much away, but a lot of, you know, the first half of this episode is about his medical journey. And then kind of the second half we talk about running and we talk about this little race he did earlier this year. So be sure in the show notes you check out his fundraising link for Chicago this year. I will put it there. Would love to support him in his efforts for his second marathon. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Chris Jones. Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of Finish Lines and Milestones. I am here with Chris Jones. Hello. We are, we are in person together. We are. We are. Yeah. Chris is from Carmel as well. And we were just talking about how weird we feel with this very professional setup. Yes. Yeah. It feels strange. It's fun though. We'll get, I feel like we'll get used to it as we talk. I, I don't know so. if I'll ever get used to it when I start. Yeah. Yeah. I think you will. I think this is going to be second nature. And like a month from now, you're going to look back at this and just think, what was the deal? I'm okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah maybe. We'll see. So Chris and I actually, we met through your friend, Tim. Yeah. One of my guests posted on LinkedIn about his episode. And then Tim reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, I saw your podcast. You have to have my friend Chris on. I'm like, okay. So we exchanged information. I was like, okay, let's, let's do it at some point. And then you're like, Hey, let's just, can we get coffee? Mm. Like, absolutely. So we get coffee and now the rest is history. And then we found out that we both have the same running coach, which is crazy that we just didn't even know each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, what do you, what do you call it? Like um, 
like big city and oh a small or, big town yes yeah, small big town for sure yeah because um, then it's not even like just you and Rachel I feel like I've come across other people that have used Rachel too and I'm constantly like Rachel so-and-so knows who you are as well and they were talking about you and it's yeah it's crazy small world well first I have to call you out for making me look bad because you got Rachel amazing mm, gift recently I did I uh, I got her a pair of Elliot's from tracksmith and then they were we I got both of us a pair of tracksmith Elliot's and I'm wearing mine today actually they are very beautiful um, they are beautiful shoes um, but they both came in and they were both not true to size so um, I had to send hers back and mine back and then I decided to go with like the one that where the sash just blends in instead of being blue on the side and now Rachel has the one with the blue on the side so I, I hope she likes them Oh, how could she not? That's so yeah, great. I didn't even know what those were until you told me. Too. Yeah. And, and like I'd look at them and I, because I, I wanted some casual shoes. And like if you look at some Allbirds, yeah. they're about the same price. And I'd much rather have Tracksmith shoes than like Allbirds. Mm-hmm. So that that was kind mm-hmm. of, uh, yeah, they're they're pretty. They are pretty. Yep. I yeah. like them. Yeah. Nobody can see them except for you and me right now. But they're like a, this cream color. Yeah. Which also seems pretty brave for being a dad. I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> you should see my style these days. I'm wearing like tank tops all the time and stuff. People, no, I just need yeah. to keep them clean. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the verdict's out. Um, they're they're still pretty fresh. And uh, yeah, I feel like th- these are only when I'm doing nice things like today. So other wow. than that, I'm wearing like my old like Brooks from four years ago or something like that. But this yeah. is a special occasion. Well, we will certainly get into your shoe nerdiness a little sure. bit more, okay? Perhaps because like you'll it. have to just give some quick feedback on all, all right. the things you've bought recently. Okay, that but we have good. so much more to talk about today. Yeah, I think yeah. so. There's oh a my few gosh, topics. where do we even start? Yeah, I mean, you you tell <laughs> me. I'll like let you steer this okay. ship. Well, I think first, just give a little background on who you are. Sure. Where you're from, your fam. Yeah. And then we'll. And then we'll start the running. Cool, cool. Well, I'm uh, Chris Jones, and um, I grew up in Kokomo, so north of Westfield. Um, I'm a military brat, so we moved around a lot when I was I was born in New York, and then we moved to Missouri, and then Alaska, and then moved to Indiana, and then to Kokomo. So I graduated Kokomo 2008. I have a brother and a mom and a dad. (laughs) Shocker. And uh, after high school, I went to Ball State University, went there for music education. And after about a year of that, I switched to journalism. Um, And college was pretty tricky for me um, to to start out. Um, Did we we get into that? We can get into that a little bit. Uh, So didn't really know what I wanted to do for a few years. I was kind of uh heavy into the partying and not heavy into the studying yeah i was that was me yeah mm-hmm. and it's tricky um I, I remember vividly going to miami of ohio for a football game and just having really? a good time yeah it's hard yeah. not to there yeah mm-hmm. so we we won though it was it was the year that ball state went undefeated in football um and like that was our away game that i was in the marching band that was the game that we traveled to and we may or may not have had flasks in our marching band uniforms yeah marching band i've heard is hard work though so how are you drinking on the job pass out carefully i think Uh, yeah it was it well you know like college and it you 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 know life finds a way when it comes to alcohol Mm -hmm. so anyways i i uh was at ball state kind of trying to figure out what i wanted to do i was studying journalism wasn't really taking it that seriously 
and I was like kind of I was going to class but I was not doing a very good job and I think like on my junior year I um was kind of like living by myself at that point in an apartment by myself and not taking care of myself and still drinking a lot kind of talked to to Larry one of your uh, previous guests about about this a little bit he can kind of relate to the whole drinking by yourself thing mm. Um, so I called my dad one day and I'm like, dad, I'm not getting anything done. I need to come home. Like I need to stop spending money on college until I know what I want to do. And so I came home and, um, after a few months of trying to figure out what was next, I decided I wanted to join the army like my dad. Um, and so that's kind of where this, my life changed. I was getting into shape, just working out, and I was ready to do the like swear in. That's kind of where you've you pass all the physicals and you go down and you like take an oath to join the army. And during my physical, like my final physical, the last thing I had to do, the uh, the doctor said he thought my heart sounded kind of like noisy, and I thought because it was like the the last step that he was kind of messing with me just to just to you know set me off. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, it's a little loud. You need to have that looked at before we can approve you to to join the military. So I didn't think much of it. Um, I went and saw a cardiologist. And I saw my dad's cardiologist. My dad has had heart issues. He had a, a, a massive heart attack when I was in high or college. But And they said I had a slight murmur and that the septum, which is the muscle that divides the two chambers of your heart, was thicker than normal, um, which is usually a genetic issue. Um, and so because of that, the army said, well, sorry, uh, you can't join. And at that point I had three weeks left until the spring semester started at Ball State. And I was, you know, my mindset was that I was going to be going into the army and start this new adventure in life. And I'd kind of put, you know, uh, journalism and Ball State on the shelf. And, um, I had to just pull it all together real quick and, um, so I went back to Ball State, uh, finished my my time there, got really serious about journalism, and the heart thing wasn't really a, an issue at that point. I, it, it just they told me my, I had a loud heart, but I didn't have any symptoms, and I, I I didn't even know that something was wrong with me. They just told me so. Um, so I went back to Ball State, finished, uh, moved to Wisconsin. This is in 2014. Um, and was a reporter at the Stevens Point Journal in Wisconsin. It's right on the Wisconsin River. It's a gorgeous little community. And while I was up there, my dad had another heart attack. And so I moved back home to be closer to family um, and got a job in Columbus, Indiana at the Republic newspaper and started dating, uh, who's now my wife, uh, Sarah. And she was my editor in college too. So we knew each other that way. And while I was in Columbus, my wife, Sarah, was training for a 5K, which is part of the Mill Race Marathon event uh, um, that they have. They have like a 5K, 10K, half, and full. And I was, she asked me to, to do it with her. And I was like, well, I was in not, not in good shape at the time. Um, but I was like, yeah, I, all right, let me give it a the old college try. <laughs> and, um, and I just could not get comfortable trying that. Um, I, I just realized like I would try to go on a run and I would just be like extremely winded, extremely overwhelmed with, um, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. It was just, I, I was very uncomfortable and very tired immediately on any kind of, and, and then I started noticing things like going upstairs 
was difficult for me. Um, like I would get winded and exhausted or if I was crossing the street too fast. And I really just thought it was because I was out of shape. I was not in, in good shape at the time. And, um, but I also knew in the back of my head, well, I was diagnosed with this thing called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and it's been a while. I should probably go see a cardiologist to see how I'm doing. And so that's what I did. I went and saw a cardiologist in Columbus. Um, and whenever you, if you have a condition like this and you go see a cardiologist, they order like a stress test, an echocardiogram, an EKG, um, all these different tests. It's just what they have to do. And so we did all that like I was supposed to, like the doctor wanted to. And at that point, um, they had said that everything looked fine and that I could go ahead and keep uh, trying to train for this 5K, which was not, I, I was, it was not going well. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, at that point, I just chalked it up to being out of shape because I'm 5'6". At that time, I probably weighed like, I don't know, 195, which that's a lot for someone who's short. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know what I weighed in high school, but I probably weighed like 125, 130, something like that. So anyways, like a week had gone by and I remember I was working on some election coverage in the newsroom and I got a, a call from my cardiologist's office. Um, and it was like, I remember it so well. Um, and they called and they were like, Hey, we're so sorry. Like we, you know, we read your tests wrong and we actually need you to come in because they were abnormal. The results of your echo were abnormal. At work. Yeah, yep. Uh, and I think it was like 3.30. It was like a Thursday in the fall. I remember um, the, the, the U2 album that I, iTunes like made everybody have. Uh, <laughs> like that, that had come out like that day, I think. And so I remember, because I'm a U2 fan, I'm like, oh, I was checking that out and I got this call. And they were like, um, your doctor, who was on vacation at that time, like out of country, he's going to fly back to see you like as soon as possible. And we'll talk then. And it was I just, kind of. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. And you've told me this story before. Yeah. So I'm hearing this for the second time. Yeah. But it still feels like what? What? Yeah. How do you read a test wrong who they give the I test know. to and, and you felt terrible because you're thinking like you're thinking when I hear something like that I, I mean I was thinking a lot of things right. but but yeah I was thinking like well wait what was I mean how did it go from normal to abnormal and um, I do think that maybe who whoever had taken the tests um, they just didn't they're very complicated tests to read you know I've tried tried to be like a Monday morning quarterback and like read echoes on my mm -hmm. own you know like and I don't know what I'm looking at. It looks like a sonar, like, like it looks like uh, I won't make a Titanic joke. It's too soon. But yeah. Oh. Um, so I remember hanging up the phone and kind of just sitting back in my chair and just kind of staring off into the the room in front of me and looking at the ceiling and trying to just like you immediately start thinking, what what could this mean? Like what? what could it possibly be if they're calling me and telling me like, you know, so-and-so is flying home and we're so sorry and they're abnormal and you need to come in as soon as you can. So I was, and I'm 24 at that time. Yeah. Um, and so I remember I called my mom. Um, I like, I'm, I told my editor, I'm like, I need to step outside for a minute and make a phone call. And I called my mom and I sat down on this bag of like, they were redoing the flower bed in front of the newsroom. So there were bags of mulch outside. I remember sitting on the bag of mulch and calling my mom and just telling her how scared I was. Um, 
and I just started crying. And I was like this 24-year-old like dude sitting outside crying because I didn't know. I just was thinking like this this can't be good. <laughs> Whatever they're going to yeah. tell me, this can't be like, hey, we've got some great news for you. We wanted to wait and have you come in and think about it for a week. So um, so I kind of collected myself and, and then I called my girlfriend at the time and let her know. And I, I think most people didn't really know what like – what to say you know right. just how like, did she respond did she like start crying too no i mean i think that she was just kind of like oh okay like well let's see what that's about you know and a lot of people were just very calm about it which i just think it people sometimes don't know how how to yeah. react um especially like when you're young and you find out that maybe something's wrong so so yeah that was like a long three or four day period i think Uh, Like they were able to, he was able to come see me like that following Monday, I think. So it was a couple days later he came back and his name is Dr. Gabriel Improvola. And he is um, an amazing man for doing that, uh, for coming back to talk to me. Do you remember where he was on vacation? I think he was in like Puerto Rico. He was in like South America somewhere and he's from South America. And And he was actually like like an adjunct practicing cardiologist at the time too. He was filling in to help out that office and and he just happened to take me on and then he he gave it like he i mean he gave me so much of his time and attention um it was unbelievable he's a great guy um and i just found him on linkedin a couple like a month after um boston oh and yeah. i let him know i sent him a picture of the medal and i said this this is you know couldn't have done this without you you know well, probably spoiler wouldn't. alert yeah. well yeah spoiler alert we, we can cut that out <laughs> yeah, <I'm just> <laughs> um so i went and saw him and he immediately was like i'm gonna talk to you like you're my brother and i'm just like oh my god what does that mean you know like my brother and he's like um the the thickening in your heart has gotten pretty severe to the point where any medication that you could take which I, I take to this day, actually, but the medication that they immediately put me on that I should have been taking, but I, I had weaned myself off of because I didn't I didn't feel bad for such a long time. So, But it's called a beta blocker, okay. and it blocks adrenaline from enter, entering your bloodstream, and that keeps your heart rate low, and, and that, um, you're, you know, your heart is a muscle, and the harder it's beating, the bigger the muscle gets, and the bigger the muscle gets, the harder your heart's beating, and it's kind of a vicious cycle. So beta blockers are there to try to keep your heart rate down, and he just said, you know, we can give you these medications, but you're not going to get any better. Um, he, he wasn't worried about, like, a sudden death accident, but he just said your quality of life at 24 is only going to get worse if you don't do anything about this, and we can't do anything about it here. Mm. And so he, he had said, I had, I've already talked to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and I've already submitted all of your files over there, and they can get you in in like four weeks, which four weeks to get into the Mayo Clinic, like from a cold call to getting in is insane. Like, I don't know how he pulled that off. I think most of the time, even if you're in rough shape, the wait is a lot longer than that. Wow. Um, but he's like these are the scenarios that you could be looking at um maybe you do go there and they just say hey you just you know medication he's like i don't think that's what they're gonna say Mm -hmm. um you might be looking at some a simple procedure simple is in like a minimally invasive and then um, you could be looking at open heart surgery and you could be looking at um 
an automatic defibrillator. You could be looking at a pacemaker. You could be looking at a heart transplant. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And this is like within the course of like a few days. Yeah. This is from like Thursday, working on this story, <laughs> getting a call saying, we're so sorry we read those wrong yeah. to, Amen. hey, you're, this is what we're seeing. And they could tell off of the results that like the, the septum, that muscle had gotten extremely thick, yeah. that it was no longer pumping blood, but squirting blood from chamber to chamber. And you could, you could audibly hear it with just a, a tethoscope. Oh my God. So he, he was like, I'm going to show you this. So I remember we like crouched down on, on the ground in his office and he, and he's like, now listen. And it was like a squirting sound. Oh, from, I wouldn't want, oh man. And it was scary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was really... like, oh my God, that's inside my chest that's happening. And, and he's like, you know, I had symptoms, like I could hear my heart beating if I, if it was quiet. Uh, and if I was trying to sleep and I got startled, I could hear it beating. I could feel it beating. And I really just thought, man, I'm out of shape. Like, I really got to get this under control. Yeah. But that's what that was. Okay. It was just getting to to the point where it, it was beating so hard to the point that one of my valves was being forced open when, like, it's called mitral regurgitation. And it's when the blood is not flowing and it's pulling and pushing in ways that it shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. And so, um, man, you know, yeah. one, I want to say one thing too about the phone call. It would have been nice if they would have just said something along the lines of mm -hmm. like, here's what happened. Yeah. I don't, we're not worried about a sudden death Yeah, because that information was finally relayed to you by the yeah. doctor and yeah. perhaps they just couldn't tell you. I don't know, but I, it just it, seems like yeah. I'm like terrified. Could you just give me like one little, like, I Hey, know. okay, we're not. I don't know, like for four days or however long sitting there wondering what the hell is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I do remember them. I remember pressing them a little bit like, what well, can you, you know, give me? And they just said, all we can say is the tests were abnormal. Okay. And, See, uh, I'm really bad at the pressing part, especially if I'm in shock. Yeah. I think that's I, where like, I was too. I, I was like, like, don't know what okay. to ask until yeah. I hang up the phone. Like I probably would have called back and <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like, I think I was just in, I mean, just shock. You're I was just, just in... yeah, I was almost like um, numb. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was pretty, yeah, pretty crazy. Just wild. Yeah. Um, and, and so he, you know, he just said, I'm going to get you in there. They're going to see you. Um, it'll be four weeks until then. Like, we're just going to stay on the medication and, and really just try to relax. You're not going to, I'm not worried that you're going to die or anything like that. Um, but it is serious enough that you need to go to the Mayo Clinic. And, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to the Mayo Clinic. Like, this can't be good. You know, as as awesome as the Mayo Clinic is, and it is, this can't be good if I'm going to the Mayo Clinic. And he got me in so quick. Mm -hmm. so, is the Mayo Clinic just for heart stuff? No, no, no. Like okay. Mayo Clinic is. I don't is, know anything about it, actually. Yes, yeah, so the Mayo Clinic um, is, there's one in, um, I believe it's in, Arizona, Nevada, so somewhere out west, okay. um, and then in Florida, and then in Rochester, the original campus. Um, and the Mayo Clinic is where like kings and presidents and celebrities, like they go there covertly to have, to, to you know, have their health checked and things okay. like that. That's, if there was anywhere I could go in the world, the Mayo Clinic was the place to go. And so this was like a late October, uh, mid-October, and they were getting me in in like mid-November. Okay. And so it was pretty amazing. And they send you like, you get this itinerary like a few weeks before that tells you exactly where to be at what time on like a four day stint. So I had like a four day. Um, nice pun. Yeah. It, yes. Stint. Sorry. Did you, get, you guys get that? <laughs> Couldn't help it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Stint. Um, anyways, there's, I, I got in and I had this um, like four day schedule and 
I remember like leading up to it, being a journalist, being someone who's very curious about everything. I was researching who I was going to meet. Like I knew the doctors based off of the agenda, Dr. Steve Oman, Dr. Joseph Duraney, like all these doctors. And so I was Googling and YouTubing and started finding all these like professionally done videos with these guys. And at that point, they're like celebrities to me. And so I remember meeting them in person and just being like starstruck. And they're like, they come to me, they've already read my file and they're talking about me. And I'm like, oh my God, Steve, oh, it's in front of me. And my wife's next to me and she can see me geeking out. So were you, were you married? So we were just dating. We weren't even engaged. So we had been dating for maybe, I think at that point, like five or six months. That is intense. And yeah, I mean, she, she was just, I don't, I don't remember her ever being like, this is too much. And in fact, her family booked our our hotels and everything uh, in in Minnesota like they it was unbelievable Um, so I went up there to do the the testing to figure out what was exactly wrong to go through all these tests and and meet everybody and figure out what the options were and I think we were halfway through the second day of testing when they were like we've seen enough like we know what's going on Um, you need if you want to feel any better you need to have uh, a septal myectomy um, which is when they go into your heart and they reduce the size of the septum, the muscle that separates the two chambers, the part that was getting thick and was causing every mm-hmm. all this destruction. Um, and we can do it on Friday. And this is like Tuesday. And so I remember being, I, I knew that it was a possibility. I had researched what it was and what it might be like if I have it, how, how it'll change things. And so I was kind of prepared for it and I was kind of, honestly hoping for it a little bit because I knew that the outcomes were generally great. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. And I remember calling my, my family who I, I don't think were, were thinking that's what was going to happen when mm-hmm. I went up there. I think they yeah. thought we were going to figure some stuff out and then come up with some options. Right. I feel like your mom would have, or your parents would have come with you had they thought yeah, you were going to Absolutely. Like... And I think they were like, you know, keep us posted, you right. know, like, um, and so I remember yeah, like be getting out of Steve Ullman's office, Dr. Ullman. And um, and we were like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Um, I think I remember Sarah being a little scared um, a- after that meeting. But, yeah. but I think she could also tell that I was, I hate to say excited, but just, I, I just, at that point I had answers and I yeah. knew what was next. There weren't these like unknowns yes. ahead of me yeah. at that point, which was nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, I called my family called my friends, you know, call everybody and just let them know, like on Friday, I'm going to have open heart surgery. Um, well, that had to be interesting in and of itself, yeah. calling people and they'd be like, I'm sorry. Y- yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a-, a lot of people were like, you know, my close family were like, okay, all right, well, we're going to let's, let me get a hold of who I need to and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start making our way. Um, and I come from like a, a pretty like um, middle-class family. So like, um, you know, this means taking off work. We don't, we're not really flyers because uh, it's, it's expensive. Yeah. So they were all, they all drove up. That was wow. my mom, my dad, um, my brother, my grandparents. Um, so, and then Sarah was there with me and, uh, yeah, we just geared up. I remember, uh, so that was on a Tuesday. So on Wednesday, we went to the mall of America and rode roller coasters and um, well. yeah, and just tried to enjoy uh, the time there as much as possible, and um, 
just kind of mentally try to gear up for that. We went out to eat one night. Like the Mayo Clinic is like this medical spa. It's not like a hospital mm -hmm. that you've ever been to. It's a place where when you have a test done minutes later, you have the results and they're yours. You wow. own them. Yeah. And whenever you have results, they get put into a file that all doctors can see at all times. So like decisions are made like as soon as the test is done. God, it, wouldn't it be nice if like all health Oh my like gosh. Good Lord. I, it, it was Someday. difficult coming back to reality after that. Mm, um, I bet. So yeah, I remember I had the surgery. And wait, had Sarah met your family at this yeah, point? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I feel like five, six months. I mean, today, Yeah. I feel like it's common to meet families a little sooner. I yeah, don't know if that's true. I, she had if you're definitely, local. definitely met my, my family. Yeah, okay. I'd met her family. Okay. Everybody knew kind of what was going on, okay. but I don't think anybody thought like on Friday, you're yeah. going to have this done. Yeah. I think I knew in, in the back of my head, like if I could, I would. Right. Like if they, if they had the availability, but I fully expected them to like schedule something out. Like, like a few maybe, months. Like, yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. Um, and this is like two weeks before Thanksgiving. You right. Know? <laughs> So we got ready. I remember the morning of, I was like kind of calm and um, everyone, you know, got together in the the room um, where I had to like change into, you know, a gown and, and say goodbye, you know, like, hey, I'll see you guys at, on the other side. That was kind of odd because mm. there was obviously a slight window of, you know, Hey, I hope I see you on the other yeah, side. Yeah, like what if, what if, you right. know, maybe this it's is open a, heart surgery. It is. Yeah. Even though I'm in the best hands yeah. possible, like maybe this, this mm -hmm. is, you know, so, and I remember my brother took a picture of me like waving as they were rolling me away and, I'm, and I have this goofy look on my face like, here we go. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> let's know. do it. And is your brother older or younger? He's 11 way. months older than me. That's, okay. That's right. Yes. So that's yeah. nuts. Your and mom, my yeah, goodness. oh my gosh, and yeah, I know that he was planned. I was not okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so I get you know rolled in. They have to do all this prep, like shaving and stuff like that. Yeah. Get you ready for all these things that are about to hook up to you. And then I got this like IV to like calm me down. And then I get rolled into the theater, which is like this white porcelain beautiful like massive circular room that has like um like 12 70 inch flat screen tvs that are all showing some sort of vital and some of them are just cameras and all around me are these tools they're like wow. shiny and gorgeous and sharp and there were these like hydraulic hoses with you know like saws on the end and, and i'm just like man this is about to happen like we're about to do this and uh, wow. and they have nuns in there because it was um, the Mayo Clinic was started by nuns so that, so they they have like nuns okay. on standby. That's <laughs> like, that not, was not that that's unexpected. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not a spiritual person, but I was like, that's cool. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, sister. And I remember they like the doctors are having a good time. They came in, they're like, hey, um, we're just gonna have you do the whole count backwards thing, and um, and then you know you'll pro you'll probably fall asleep before ten. And I'm like, no, that's yeah. not possible. So I counted backwards to like three and I was out. Yeah. Um, and when I woke up, it was like, um, I don't know if it was the next day. I, I don't really know. But I do remember waking up. And at that point, I was still intubated. So I couldn't talk. I had, you know, a hose down my throat. And, um, and I was hooked up to like all these machines. And I was in this, you know, this bed. I had all these like hoses attached to different parts of my body and drains and and my my legs were in like 
they're like hyper ice boots, but they're oh. not for, you know, they were okay, for like yeah. keeping blood clots from forming. And I had a little white dry erase board, I think. And I could, my, my family were all standing around me oh. and they were all like, you know, just saying hi and I couldn't say hi back, but I could, I could see them and I could like wave and things like that. Yeah. And so I knew I was alive, you know, and I yeah. made it on the other end. Um, but I was in and out at that right, point. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the next thing I remember is waking up in the ICU with a, I had like a 24 hour a day nurse that would stay in the room with me no matter what for like the first day. Oh, wow. And so I woke up and there's this guy in the room and it's at night and I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> so I can't see what time it is. Oh and, and I just keep talking to him about like sports and movies. And, and every time I stop talking, I close my eyes, go back to sleep. And it was like every 10 minutes, he said. So I thought I was like going to sleep for a few hours. Yeah. But he was like, no, you're like waking up every 10 minutes and you wanted to talk. And the more you wanted to talk, the more water you had to drink. And and so the, the <laughs> next day after that, they were like, we got to stand you up. And so I stood up and all of that water went down into my stomach and I immediately uh, oh, got sick. And yeah. it was one of the most painful things in my life because I had, you know, right, my with the two, chest yeah. had just been opened. and. <sighs> And, uh, but at that point I could talk and my family came in and I got to talk to them and it was the beginning of the mm -hmm. recovery process. It was, um, I remember they're like, we're going to have you walk down the hall and back. Yeah. Um, and they're like, how about you walk with your girlfriend? And so Sarah walked next to me and my mom was behind me. And when we were walking down this hall, there were all these other heart patients that had just had procedures. A lot of them were little kids. Oh, yeah. um, some were babies, some were older. Um, but that was kind of the beginning of the process. Um, I, I was in the hospital for like a week, I think. Um, just, you know, slowly walking, slowly healing. I had to get like slowly have tubes and things removed. I had this hose in my chest that, that was kind of weird having that taken out. It was you know, the size of a garden hose that was inside my underneath my rib cage and they would they just take it out um so i had a hole in my chest when i went home and then uh what? and yeah this is like it was wild so like you 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 leave in one state you you, you come back in another but i i will say okay. though when i when i woke up and i could kind of feel everything i could tell right away that that they had fixed it i knew right away that i felt just better yeah yeah that there was wow. no obstruction i didn't know how bad i felt until, until it was fixed you... that's yeah. really cool did yeah. they tell you you would you should feel that way i had like done my own research and found that a lot of people well, like, could tell but i was really curious and i asked the mayo photographer to take photos of the of the surgery and of what they took out and so i have those i have these professional eight by ten like surgery photos of your heart. of me of you. Uh, yeah. Of That's crazy. Of my chest open. Because oh. I, I was just curious, you know. And Jeez. and then all the things they took out, it was shocking how much came out. And so, yeah, I went back to Indiana after that, um, two weeks before Thanksgiving, and started, like, the recovery process. My, my parents had separated um, okay. a couple years before that, so they didn't have, like, a place for me to, to kind of come home to. So I stayed with my grandparents. Um, who were in their like, gosh, you know, late sixties at that point, and they're taking care of this 24 year old that just had open heart surgery. And I remember my wife who at the time worked downtown Indianapolis, she drove up every night after work for like, uh, probably three or four weeks wow. after work to just spend a little bit of time with me. And I couldn't drive for like five weeks 
because you're not allowed to hold the steering wheel. And I couldn't huh. pick like milk up. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do all these crazy things that like I, I mean, you know, and I, I uh, like I went mall walking all the time for a while. Did I remember you go with your grandma. Uh, yeah. Well, she would drop me off. She dropped me off at the mall and I'd just walk around and try to get some cardio in and it was getting to be around the holidays. So it was like really busy. So I was kind of nervous. Um, we were talking about the alley on the run podcast and how she was nervous about being bumped into. And and that's what it was like. It was just really, you know, um, and I remember doing cardiac rehab when I moved back to Columbus where I was living at the, Mm -hmm. you know, for the newspaper. And it was like, um, with a whole bunch of like 80 year olds, and yeah, me, you so know, interesting. and it was like, yeah. Did, how did work, like how did work deal with yeah, leave? I, unfortunately, they weren't great about it. Really? Uh, yeah, it, it was sucks. very stressful. So, which kind of informed a lot of decisions after that right. too. So they were, they were very much like, well, you only have so much vacation. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. you know, right. All right. I guess I'm taking it unpaid so I can, you know, live. Um, and then I came back to work and they were like immediately kind of throwing me to lions, giving me really hard, um, stories and stuff. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm just not there. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and I, I mean, immediately after having open heart surgery, um, I think my, I was completely rewired too. After that, everything looked different after that still does. You know, I still think about okay, how much longer do I have now that Mm -hmm. I've had this done? You know, I technically have heart failure. After you do something like that, it's categorized as heart failure. So like I have heart failure. Um, After after that, I worked at the the newspaper for for a couple more months and just realized that I couldn't do it anymore. And and I also didn't know what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. either though. I mean, mean, that's all all I knew how to do. But also you have this experience that kind of reminds you that you're human and Mm -hmm. that you have a finite amount of time on this planet with the people you love, doing the things you love, discovering the things you love, you only have so much time. And I felt like I was wasting my time there and and I wasn't doing something I loved. And and I had this like, you know, YOLO mentality at that point where I was like, if I don't want to do this anymore, then why am I doing this? And I'm just, I'm done. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, So I, I told my wife, I'm like, I don't think I want to work here anymore and I don't think I want to live in Columbus anymore let's move let's do Indianapolis that's where you live we have a lot of friends there and so I got this job like from a friend as like a a customer service like something over the phone and I did that for a while and we moved downtown and that was fun and uh and I started like dabbling my foot and and exercise but I really wasn't I still wasn't taking care of myself at that point at that point I was being very careful um and i was still very afraid of like okay am i fully healed like is Mm -hmm. there i always had this like fear that if i tried too hard like my heart would like bust open at a seam or something which is not a thing but but that's what that's what i thought and so i was still not living an an amazing life being very yeah um I, i spent a lot of time on the couch watching tv and uh I didn't like the first job I got and then I got another job and I didn't like that job. I have I had a really hard time for a while after surgery. I, and I, I think it was because, yeah, I just was very like confused about what it was like to, what it meant for me after that. Like yeah. what, what, what am I, 
how much more time do I have? And am I, am I really making the most of it? Mm-hmm. And I, and every time I felt like I wasn't, I felt entitled to just pull the plug and, and do something else. And that was tricky. And my wife, uh, we did get married somewhere in between there. <laughs> and she, she, I mean, she supported me every time, uh, which is unbelievable. So that was, uh, like six years ago. And I met Tim, the guy we, you know, Tim oh, Ernest, yeah. I met him at, the, the last job in which I was like not happy. He, he was there too. He's not there anymore. Okay. <laughs> I'll venture to say that he yeah. might've arrived at the same conclusion, yeah. but. Yeah, well, before before you move on from there, yeah. I just wanna say that I have certainly not had open heart surgery, yeah. but if you listen to my first episode, you'll know that I almost died giving birth to yeah. my first girl, Sydney. And I remember having some similar feelings after coming back to work. My work was really nice yeah. about it. They were they actually didn't really know what happened, frankly. But they okay. were nice about maternity leave. I was the first woman to leave on maternity leave at this company, so it was so they did a good job. They didn't really know what had happened because I didn't know how to really share it. Yeah. Like, hey, by the way, in case you want to know about right. my birth experience. <laughs> like yeah, you know got some details. Got some yeah. details. <laughs> but it was weird going back to work because I felt like I didn't really love it, but I mm-hmm. was good at it and I but I did have this change that happened yeah. there. And I feel like that's why I kept this perpetual like of looking for yeah. okay, what's going to make me happy. And I always I'm still to this day self-conscious about my job hopping. Yeah. And some of it occurred but actually before even. But I'm like life is too short not to be yeah. happy. And yeah. life is too short not to be happy at work especially because you're there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you do. So and it, I know that not everybody's can just do what they want. I either. know. And it's like, it, I mean, it's tricky because you're, you're like, I know what's responsible. I know what the mm-hmm. right decision is here, but it doesn't feel right in my bones. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so it's uh, uh, part of you is like, well, that's just how life is. And you just got to do stuff that you don't want to do mm-hmm. sometimes. This is how it works. That's the world. Right. But I, I disagree with that. You know, I don't think that you have to do what everybody expects you to do. Amen. Um, and I think that's. If there's anything that I'm sure about, it's that, you know, that you like you forge your own path and you choose your own um, future and you make mm-hmm. your own decisions and you have to deal with your decisions, too. Yep. So, you know, I I mean, no one told me I had to go have this open heart surgery. No one said you have to have it or you're going to die. I could have said, I, no, no, thanks. Like, I'm just going to I guess I'll just chill out for the rest of my life. I could have done that. Um, mm. But I don't think. I wouldn't be who I am today, yeah. you know? And so, and I, it was, it's, yeah, it's still tough sometimes. I get, I'm a very emotional guy now compared to what I used to be too. I mean, I remember like, you know, during that, I, I was off for, I think three months after the surgery and like a, a Tide commercial would come on and I would be moved, <laughs> oh, you know? Yeah. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And I would like, you know, ask my doctor, I'm like, I'm like really emotional now. You know, I mean, just get, I just get so torn up about so many things. Not in a bad way. Like yeah. I'm, just, I'm just so happy, and so, and it just does that. I think. Yeah. So like six years ago, that last job I did not care about that came to an end, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like, yeah, I, we we had bought a house, we wanted to have children, and I was still just searching for yeah. what's next. And uh, at that point, I started like re uh, rehabbing part of the house we bought uh, and had an unfinished business uh, basement, and I decided I was going to finish it. And so while doing that, I got really into remodel work and like electrical work. And an old college professor 
John Strauss, shout out, he used to work at the Indy Star and, and a pretty cool guy. He had said, hey, you seem to be really good at this electrical thing. Have you thought about maybe going into the trade world? And I was like, mm. oh, I don't know, maybe like i guess what what do i have to lose at this point yeah and that was six years ago and i and i still work for the company now um and we do you know normal electrical work but we specialize too in solar and electric vehicle and battery storage and that's a pretty cool technology so and that was six years ago so i've held on for six years so i you know i think i finally found something that that i'm good at i think after open heart surgery i've dealt with imposter syndrome a lot yeah. Um, there's a lot of things where I'm like, I feel like I've just finagled my way into certain situations and that's kind of tricky too, but yeah, that's kind of my professional life. That's where I'm at yeah. today. We can kind of start. We Which can, I could nerd out on solar, yeah, but I don't yeah. think we don't have time because no, we got to talk about, we got to talk about running. We got to talk about running. Yeah. So, um, about yeah, two and a half years ago, my older brother, he had a heart attack. So my dad had had two heart attacks. My older brother had a heart attack. I had had open heart surgery. And I was terrified when that happened. I was like, first of all, he's my best friend. So I was really, really scared. And then secondly, I'm like, you know, it's coming from all, all angles now. Yeah. I'm like, what? I have to make a change because I was not living healthy at that point. And so that day, I'm, I remember going to the hospital to see him. Um, and I told him, I'm like, I'm not going to eat red meat anymore. Uh, I'm not going to drink sodas or anything like that anymore. Well, let's, I'm going to make some baby steps and make some changes here. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like I said, I'd probably weighed around like 190. Um, and I was a pretty big guy. And I didn't do anything physically, like not not healthy at all. Did Sarah ever – nags, probably not the right word. But no. like it's like, hey, dude, like you – hello. I No. Which is surprising. I would have. Yeah. <laughs> and – no, I mean, I, I certainly don't hold it against her. Sure. If anything, I'm like, you you loved me before all this. You loved yeah. me like before surgery. You loved me after surgery. You loved me when I was lost mm -hmm. and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, you still do that. You know, sometimes she's, I think she's still like, what are you doing? <laughs> but but she's, she's, I mean, if an encyclopedia, if it said like, spousal support it would just be a picture of sarah Aww. i mean she's like she just is in my corner 100 percent of the time so amazing. It, it is and i do take yeah. it for granted all the time and i i have to get better at that but she is she's a rock star she's definitely uh i would not be here without her so my brother uh had his heart attack i decided hey regardless of what what anybody else wants to do it's time for me to start making better decisions so that i can be around I don't know why that didn't happen right after open heart surgery. It's yeah, very strange, but, but it, but finally it did. Like this bell rang in the back of my head, and it just, I did. It's, it's weird. It was a switch, and I think like what I started doing right after that was like I started hiking at Eagle Creek a lot and just listening to podcasts and music and just trying to get get my feet under me and stay vertical and try to get a little bit of cardio in. And I remember we had just moved to Carmel. And we were at Cool Creek and my daughter, Harper, she kind of like got away from us at the park. She's like running mm. away. And I started running after her and I fully expected to like keel over <laughs> after that. But I didn't. And I'm like, that that wasn't that bad. Like, I've never ran like that before. I've I, I do not come from a running family. <laughs> I did not run in high school. I didn't run ever. 
I, I, that's not, so I don't no have. sports really at I, all? I did like competitive marching band. I, and I was the two, tuba section leader. So the tuba, tuba weighs – the tuba is not a sousaphone. It's not the thing that wraps around your body. A tuba oh. looks like a rocket launcher, and it sits on your shoulder. It weighs like 45 pounds. What's the thing that wraps around your body? That's called a sousaphone, okay. and you see that at, like, college a lot. But you don't, I thought you, that was a tuba. They well, call it a tuba. It's not the same thing. Okay, um, interesting. We and, like, all something. the band nerds listening right now are like, yes. That's like, right. he knows. Um, so anyways, <laughs> they're – it, so I, that was tough work too. Like to be that kept me in shape and really good shape, and it was yeah. hard work. And I did that, but I I did not have like this athletic background. And I know for a fact I don't have fast twitch muscles. I was recently tested. So, anyways, I don't even know what that means. Anyway, oh okay, on. okay, <laughs> you'll find out. Yeah, I'm sure it'll come up. So I um I got a treadmill after that incident at Cool Creek because I'm like this is interesting. Maybe I'm onto something. Maybe I can start running. That would be cool. Um, and I got a treadmill so I could run in, in privacy in my basement by myself so no one can see me. And I started down there and started doing a little bit at a time and it was getting longer and longer. And, and then I'm like, I'm going to do a 5k, like, let's do a 5k, Sarah, my wife who had been doing 5ks, no problem. And I started running a little bit more and a little bit more and we started doing 5Ks and then I did a few 10Ks and I'm like, oh, let's do a half together. We had attempted a half earlier and it like I finished. But if you look at the, the like marathon photos of that, I was dying and it was like I think I finished it in like two and two, almost three hours. Yeah. And I was like, I had no business being out there, but I was like, I'm going to do this because I'm alive, you know. And, yeah. that's, and so that was I don't even remember when that was. It was not good. But. After we did the, I think it was the drumstick dash a couple of years ago. And I remember like crossing that finish line and feeling good, like not being tired, feeling strong. And I was like, I'm on to something here. Like this is, this is awesome. Um, I like this. And that's when I started running outside amongst the people of Carmel, <laughs> Indiana too. Cause I was like, I think I've earned the right I to be, be to be out now. there. Yeah. And, um, and just started uh making running part of my everyday routine running way too fast and way too much all the time right. for a long Which time is what i used yep. to do yeah yep and uh and i did the uh caramel half and then a few weeks after that i did the monumental marathon and i started having knee issues wait you mean the indie mini that yeah uh because caramel and indie are in the you're right mini, yeah that's right that's right. I did I did the Indy Mini and the Carmel Half mm -hmm. very close to each other. Yeah. Thinking like, yeah, this is awesome. Look at me. Um and I did pretty well. Like I felt good during those races, but I I, I remember going on a run up uh, towards Clay Terrace on the Monon and like passing a certain tree and, and feeling something happen in my knee and I'm like, uh oh, that doesn't feel good. Um and but I just kept running anyways and then we went to Chicago and I ran next to the lake and this could and it was throbbing and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh no, what have I done? Um, and that's when I, um, I think that's the first time I reached out to Rachel, okay. uh, possibly. And I told her like, yeah, I'm having these knee issues. I want you, I want, I've heard that you're a great coach. Like I want you to be my, my, my coach. And she recommended that I go see a physical, Jacob. like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, who is what's indie, what's it called? Tempo. Tempo. Yeah. Tempo. It's just tempo, right? Like tempo tempo sports? sports. Yeah. I think Something it's like tempo that. sports. Sorry. He, Sorry. He Jacob. was awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean. And the stuff he gave me, I do every night, like religiously. Wow, uh, because you are great. Well, 
I remember how miserable I was when I couldn't run. And I was like, holy crap, this is like depression that Mm -hmm. I can't run right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started cycling at that time. So now I cycle when I can. But um, but after I met um, after I figured out my knee, I I got a hold of Rachel um, because I had I, I have to back up. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I remember after doing the the second half marathon, I decided I wanted to do a full marathon. Mm. And I, for whatever reason, uh, decided that I wanted that marathon to be the Boston Marathon. So I had never run a marathon before. Um, didn't know what it took. Didn't know what it was going to feel like. Didn't know a whole lot about Boston other than it was a big deal. Uh, and a lot of people get really excited about it. So, yeah. but I, I remember, I think I was doing a run on iFit and like the, it was like at the Boston mm. marathon and I'm like, I, I want to run Boston. Like I need, I need to do Boston, um, be, for me and for like to, to remind myself that I'm still alive. You know, that mm-hmm. was really kind of the goal and to prove to my daughter that, regardless of what had happened, that I was still alive and, and I was going to do everything I could to be here as long as possible for her. And so, um, that's when I started uh, training and I, I signed up with a charity team, um, the team big heart foundation. Um, they raise money for research towards cardiomyopathy, which is what I had. So it was like a perfect fit. Um, and, uh, and so I, Signed up for that, got a hold of Rachel. She started training me and um, and got like really serious right around then. So I went from like 20 to 30 miles a week on my own running whatever I wanted in the same pair of shoes with like crazy oversized clothes and all this stuff <laughs> running on the Monon in the wintertime to, for whatever reason, like switching it into gear, becoming very serious about this. And, uh, and having a coach that reinforced that joining the Carmel running club too. I mean, that helped big time. And, um, and that was, you know, it was over a year ago, but I feel like I'm going to hand the baton back to you to focus this up a little bit. No, I'm I, on well, a tangent here. you were the one that said, well, embrace the longer <laughs> yeah. conversation. Yeah. This will be a longer one because mm-hmm. we, it's just going to have to be. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that you've said that I don't want people to hear. So, yeah, with Boston, you literally, like, I remember meeting you for coffee, and you look like a runner. I've had, it's so weird that you say that, because I've had people say that to me, and I'm just like, I don't know what that exactly is. Which, and I don't mean that to sound like I'm an asshole, you know, because no, everybody's no, no, no. a runner who yeah, runs, right? Absolutely. Not, I mean, a whole, you know, body positivity, yes. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, you know, sometimes you look at somebody and the way that they're built, you're like, oh, and you've got the gooders, and you've now you got your pretty tracksman. Yeah, I know. You know <laughs> but but when I met you and had no idea really what your story was, yeah. Tim had actually sent me an article and I don't think I had read it, okay. by the way. So yeah. then all of a sudden I had no Yeah, I, I realized too when we were having coffee that I brought up open heart surgery and, like, and you were like, wait, what? Yeah, and yeah. you're like, didn't you? And I was like, ah, yeah, maybe <laughs> I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. Which was kind of cool actually because I got to hear it like yes. for the first time. I had sure. no idea. And, and so, it, yeah, and then it surprised me that you had been overweight. I was yeah. like, what? You just look and you have embraced, like, you guys. You, I mean, <laughs> really, you have all the things. You have all the shoes now. Yeah. You have a coach. You have done the, I don't know, it's not the biggest, but it's, like, the most prestigious, I would say, yeah. marathon in the world. Yeah. And 
Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. It, it was really important to me when I said, I'm going to do this, that I do it and that I give it 100%. And, and I didn't want to just finish the – I mean, Rachel made it very clear, like, hey, <laughs> like – you, you might feel like you're you're ready to go win it, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's great. But just you know, enjoy it. Be conservative. You know, be smart, and and have fun. And those were definitely always my like at the top of, of the list of things to remember. And I had yeah. to remember those. But I mean, it was so weird. Like you you get into Boston, so I've never been to Boston, anyways. But I remember like, oh geez, gosh, it was. Just knowing that it was going to happen, I had to raise $10,000 for my charity team. Um, so that was very stressful. But yeah. the city of Carmel, my family, my friends, strangers, they got me there. And uh, I remember getting to Boston and like coming up to the city. And we did, uh, Harper and Sarah were with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so, you know, Harper, look, look at those tall buildings. And like, Harper, that's the sit-go sign. <laughs> Harper, right, the that's sitcom. the sit-go sign. Yeah. And she's like, you're weird. You yeah, know, like, okay, okay yeah. it's a sign. And um, they, I carted them around Boston all weekend, and they were there the whole time, and they never complained. And Harper had fun. And Sarah let me walk them up and down Newberry Street, which is like the street that has mm-hmm. all the shops all day one day. Like all we did was shop all day. And uh, and then we did like – I got to do a, f- a demo run with Puma, and I got to meet – um, like my YouTube idol, just Kafuzi. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out of Chicago and it was so cool meeting him. And he'll like message me on Instagram every now and then. I get like all dorked Look up about you. it. Yeah, you uh, it's super cool. Yeah. Um, and I, so I remember going to the expo and yeah. getting up to the place where you like tell them your name. Uh, which is just a normal thing you do for races. Yeah. Like that's just normal. But when you get to Boston and you're like, yeah, my name is Chris Jones. I'm here to pick up my bib for the race on yeah. Monday at the Boston Marathon. Yeah. You know, no. like it's a, yeah, you know, and uh, and they pull it out and they give it to you and it's got your name on it. And it's like, it's real, you know, and, you, and you're going to do it and you're going to, you're going to line up in a few days with, I mean, people from all over the world with all these different situations and circumstances and you're going to go run the Boston Marathon. Like, and you deserve to be there, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so I was just, I remember him handing it to me and I was just like pretty emotional, you know? I mean, I, I remember holding it and thinking like, I told myself that I was going to do this and it's happening and we're doing it, you know? And, and I hope that people understand that like that it, sometimes maybe that seems like a pie in the sky notion to just say, I'm going to go do something and, I'm, mm-hmm. and you just do it because you want to do it. Yeah. I don't know how, I mean, it's, that's, that's real. Like if if you want something bad enough, just go get it. Just go take it. There are ways. There were doctors. I I remember a doctor specifically told me like this is not a good idea, and I was being um, irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I had another doctor tell me it was unbelievable, and, and she was so happy for me, which is my current cardiologist. Yeah, I was gonna say how would it ditch? Yeah, the other one. yeah. It was, and so it. So I got my bib, and we uh, went back to the hotel. And then we went down to the start finish line, uh, not the start finish line, the finish right. line. It's a point yeah. to point race. So there is no s- start, start line. Finish. Downtown. Yeah. And it was gorgeous. It was like 80 and 90. And then the day of the race, yeah. it was not. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. And, um, and we went down that day and we saw the memorials because this mm-hmm. is the 10 year anniversary of the Boston bombing as you've, you know, you've covered with some of your other guests. Yeah. Um, 
And then I, I do remember swinging around and seeing the Dick's Sporting Goods sign where it says, and you've covered this too, it says Boston oh, changes yeah. you. I think yeah. it's, it was Boston changes you. And it really does. I mean, I think like it, was, it, it seriously was like I closed one door and I opened another when I left Boston. That race was so, I, I don't even know how to describe what that, what, what happened out there. I mean, I, I remember, you know, getting on the start line and being like, you're, I'm about to run the Boston marathon. Like this is going to happen. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at, at people around me and they don't know me and I don't know them and they don't know my circumstances. Right. They don't know where I came from and what, what I, you know, what has happened and how I got here. And I'm not the only person out there that had open heart surgery that was running that race for sure. But being amongst all those people, having their support, having fan support, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had to like collect myself because it was just so emotional out there. Yeah. And it was so, there's so much energy. And, and I was hitting these paces and I knew I was having a really good race too. I was like, this is my first marathon and, and, and this is going so well. Uh, and, and I remember getting to Heartbreak Hill and I accidentally had a shot of fireball uh, oh, yeah. there. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because you told me that and I... It was the worst. There, there was this table off to the side right before you hit Heartbreak yeah. and they were advertising like a muscle relaxer to get you ready for the, the, the hurt you were about to face, you know. And, oh. and it was like they were wearing like sponsored like jerseys and coats and this, it looked really nice. Like it didn't look like somebody threw it together. So I'm like, oh, this looks legit. And they weren't in like, like red solo cups or anything. They were in these like clinical like dishes. No, they were not. Yeah, I was like, all right, this sounds good. Oh, like, I'm I gonna totally do this. pictured you just taking it off of like a no, because I wouldn't. I mean, like one of the rules is like, do not try anything new the day of the race. Right. Nothing. Yeah. Stick to your, you know, your gun. Stick to your fuel, and and use what the BAA put out there. Right. Um, but I was like, that looks like a great idea. Heartbreak's right there. I could see it. Let's do this. You know, it's so like, grab it. I'm feeling great. I've got a big grin on my face. And I took it and I knew immediately. Oh, I'm like, oh, like, no. And I started panicking. I'm like, I just sabotaged the whole race. Like, right. I'm about, well, yeah, that would be. Yeah. I was no. like, I just ruined everything because I broke the rule. Like, right. don't, don't do it. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've eaten all kinds oh of random shit. Oh my gosh. But this was Boston. But, right. And I was yeah, like, fair, what are you but, doing? You know, I was yeah. thinking, oh my gosh. And so, uh, and I had just taken a gel before that, yeah, like just taken one. And I'm like, mm. I gotta, I gotta get this taste out of my mouth. So I went ahead and like made oh. myself had another gel and then started a heartbreak and it was, uh, it was heartbreaking, but, <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. And then I got at the very end of heartbreak, I came across my team. They had a tent oh, set up on the that's side cool. yeah. and their son, Jack, he has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. He has had a heart transplant, and I had not met him yet because he wasn't oh, at the yeah. the, the so cool. yeah he wasn't at the breakfast the, the day before. So when I got up there, I stopped, which is fine. I mean, a lot of people are like, "What are you doing?" But I had not met him yet, and I pulled my jersey down to show him my uh, my incision, yeah. and I just told him, "I'm like, you can do this too." You know, like look, like you can do this too. And there's a cool picture of him, and and he was he was so sweet and his. Uh, his parents, Scott and Kate, like, you know, the, their son, Joe, is is who passed away and who they mm -hmm. started this team for. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was so, so cool. cool to be able to be, to represent them, to, to run a good race, to be someone who's had open heart surgery for the same condition. Yeah. It was just a neat experience That's for that. So cool. 
and um, and then and then you I went past heartbreak and got down to I mean once you get to like mile twenty everything starts to hurt pretty bad and again I'd never run a marathon before so and I hadn't really run past twenty before yeah so it was like you know uncharted territory mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if the wheels were falling off or if I was just hurting yeah but the crowds were getting better and better and um, I didn't have any music which really sucked like my headphones didn't work. Uh, right at the beginning of the race oh really to start the race because everyone was roaming like and so i i I usually stream music from my watch and because it was roaming i could never connect and get sound Mm. and so i just took them off and i ran the the whole thing without music tip is to download your playlist because you never know that shit but uh, you know i will say and i've heard you talk about trying practicing without it that's true um I it I I don't know that I would have ran as strong if I wasn't listening to the people around me and and hollering and screaming like yeah. with the girls that Wesley called like yeah. that 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 was like unbelievable. Yeah. So I remember getting to like mile twenty four and there was a guy next to me and I think his coach and he was younger than me and in much better shape but he was bonking hardcore like he was having a, he looked delirious almost yeah. and um and I remember coming up to him and and saying like hey because I was gonna pass him. And I just said, hey, you know, keep it up. Like, I've had open heart surgery, you know, and you can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. And he, and it, he you know, I saw this and he kind of came back to life a little bit. And I was doing that as much as possible for myself because right. I was struggling. Telling yourself. Yeah, yeah. I will say that I do that a lot. Yeah. Like, if I, if anybody ever hears me say anything, to, if you see me say something to you. Yeah. It's because I'm saying that to myself. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, like, I, everyone I saw that looked <laughs> yeah. like they needed something, right. I made sure that I reached out and said, yeah. like, good job. You. You're doing a great job. Yeah. And then, and then my, my paces would get a little better. It was right. like this, cause the energy out there is this like fluid mm-hmm. and then you get up to, you get into downtown and you're about to make that right turn and you see like Boylston and it's, it's a, it's pretty emotional. So I remember thinking like about just everything that happened to my, to me before that, um, yeah. in my life, you know, just thinking about the fact that. I would not be here if I didn't have open heart surgery. Like if, if I would have never had open heart surgery, uh, this would have never entered my my mind. Yeah. Um, and just thinking about like all the people that helped me get there, you know, and I knew that around the corner were my wife and my daughter. Like I knew that they were going to be, I didn't know if I was going to be able to see them because right. you're talking so like, like Super Bowl level crowds. It's, yeah. It was pretty crazy. But you, you turn on to Boylston and there it is. And it's like heaven. I mean, it's just like, it's just the the sound that you thought it would be, the the look that you thought it would be, the feeling. It, uh, it's hard to describe, uh, and and I immediately thought about everybody that was going to be coming after me too, mm-hmm. and and those people that were really um, that deserved this just as much, and it was it was just confirmation that I was still alive, you know, yeah. that that I still had a lot to to get in life that um that you can do anything you set your mind to um and that anything is possible regardless of your circumstances uh, i you know I, and and it was this confirmation when i crossed that finish line and i had a bostonian put the medal around you and mm-hmm. say you're a boston finisher you know and i just cried yeah you know and uh it was yeah it was pretty cool i i was pretty uh it was this kind of I can't even, I can't put words to the way it felt. And like one of the first people, I mean, I saw my wife and my daughter too, right, right before the end. And so I got to see them, wave at them. They saw me, 
my daughter saw me, they had the cowbell, you know? And so they got to see that. And then it was cool afterwards. I did my, since my watch died, I had no way to communicate with anybody. Oh, So I, I don't run with a phone. I don't like it. So, <laughs> so, and, and here in Carmel, like my watch is cellular, so I can call people, text people, right, right. all that. But again, in Boston, there yeah, was no, no service. And so I was kind of walking around with my space blanket on um, and freezing at that point because I had stopped and it was raining. Yeah. And uh, and I remember like as soon as I got near my phone, um, I got a, a text. I think it was from Rachel. And she was like, I'm crying right now because she, she saw yeah. the how I did. Mm-hmm. And she's like that. I think she was just thinking in her head like that doesn't make sense. And I'm just so happy for you. So I ran a 341 um, for my first marathon which was more than i could have asked for and i don't know if i knew your finish time yeah three three forty one yeah for for in, the first no, in for your first marathon in boston. in boston yeah which is not an easy course no and uh my god that's awesome and after having open heart surgery Just you like... know and so i was like um it was more than i could have asked for but i'm not now i'm even more hungry you know than i was before that now i'm like Okay. Like that was, that was number one. Right. Now what's. Yeah. 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 And so, um, so now I'm just, now my, my number one goal is I want to get to Boston on my own. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like my new, I want, well, I want to do all the majors, but, well, but yeah. that's, you know, that's, I want to get back there for yeah. sure. Like, I mean, I just felt so at home there, that mm-hmm. community and that energy was like, so familiar and in a weird way and i've never been there before and i've never been around that many people like that before but i just felt like this is where i'm supposed to be these are these are my people yeah Yeah. this which is so strange uh like i think about all like my friends that were like track stars and cross country stars and they're probably like who like what are you doing you know like i don't uh, you weren't like that in high school you weren't like Like, that in college and um you weren't like that two years ago yeah two years ago you were not like that at all because i mean i yeah, people who yeah. pick up running, I don't know. It's all this is why I love this so much is because everybody's, I mean, everybody's stories are so drastically yeah. different. But somehow we are just all united yeah. by this crazy thing that we love to do. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be running marathons; it can be running any distance, right? But like, for anybody who ever wonders, like, why the hell do you guys run marathons? It's like, well, you just heard it. It's just like to prove to myself yeah. that I'm still alive. Yep. In a lot of ways, that kind of sums it up, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just to to let me know, hey, you've got more time. Yeah. Uh, time is not up yet. Yeah. Um, thir- I'm 34. Well, I'll be 34 in August. I feel like I was just 24. <laughs> and so it's like, it, you know, the t- time's ticking by. But my goal is to, you know, to make the most of the time I have here mm-hmm. um, and try to do it in those communal experiences like Boston. Yeah. Like the Indy Mini, which is so much fun. Yeah. I, I wish more people knew that. And um, and so now I just want to, it's kind of all I think about too. I'm yeah. sure you can relate to that. It's really hard sometimes, but all I think about is running Yeah. Um, and the running community and people and events and shoes and exercises yeah, and, and tracks and places. And what yeah. is your, what is your Instagram? I don't know. Off the it's top of my Chris head. underscore Jonesy, J-O-N-Z-E-Y. Yes. So now if you want, because we've run out of time to do all the shoe nerding out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fine. But that's check it out. That's yeah. why I want people to go follow you on Instagram because yeah. you've really started, you've got all these ideas too that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. So 
I feel like you're on the cusp of really starting to find more than just your running groove. Yeah. But like some hopefully other stuff my there. groove groove. Like groove hopefully groove. like the the beginning of the rest of my life. Yeah. You know. And so that's yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm training for Chicago. That was going to be my next question because yeah. I know that you are, are and you're raising money for this yeah. organization, right? No, a different organization. Oh, it's different. So this is the uh, uh, David McGilvery. Um, it's it's a Run Strong Foundation, but I feel like the official title is a little different. And David McGilvery, he's the uh, the racing director of the Boston Marathon, and he's run it like uh, dozens of times. He's also had open heart surgery. Really? Yeah. That's so he he's yeah. he has a documentary about him. Let's see. You're right. It's the Dave McGilvery Finish Strong Foundation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I met him at Boston. Um, he was at our charity breakfast the night before the race. Uh, so he, he organizes the race. And then after the race has started and most of everybody's taken off, he goes back to the start line and runs it himself. And he's done this for decades. That's so cool. And, um, and I, yeah, I, and I had like watched it. Yeah, I had watched a few documentaries about him prior to even getting to Boston and not realizing. Someone's like, do you want to meet Dave? And when I was at the breakfast, I was like, sure. Who's like, Dave? Dave? <laughs> and he came up and I'm like, oh, I'm like, absolutely. And I talked to him for a few minutes. And then um, after that, um, I re reached out to our like charity groups coordinator and um, and they got me a bib at, Boston, at Chicago and I'm raising uh, $2,000, not 10,000. That seems so easy compared it, to 10. Oh my gosh. My God. Yeah. But, it, but it's still, it's tricky. It's hard to ask people for their support like that so, mm -hmm. so soon. I mean, it was tough asking people for that kind of money yeah. and it still is, but I feel confident that I can raise yeah. that by, by race day. Um, well, and certainly anybody who's listened to this, I hope feels compelled yeah, yeah, to give yeah, it's, just it's like a, great, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they're, and, and their, um, their causes to, to raise awareness about staying active as youth, being literate as youth and just being kind as youth and spreading that message in communities cool. about just, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of, that fits right with how I feel about, about being active. Yep. I think it's really important mm -hmm. in life to be active. I, I hate that I waited so long to do this. This is something that's free to anybody, you know, right. running. And free, it, yeah, right. Well, it's, it's definitely not by. free, but <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, yeah. it was always there. Right. And, uh, and I waited so long to discover it. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. Um, but man, it makes me wonder what kind of runner I'd be today if I would have started a while ago. I think ago. about that a lot too. Yeah. But it's okay because I, I am yeah, a runner today okay. that I'm happy to be. And yeah. I'm going to be a better runner tomorrow and a better runner next week. Yep. And so, Amen. Um, Especially with the help of Rachel. We love you, Rachel. Rachel's like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's hilarious. I was asking Rachel. I'm like, hey, I kind of want to add a run here and a run here. Is that a good idea? And she's just like, no. No, it's it's not. Like, <laughs> Don't do that. Like I've got a plan and it's yeah. – it, trust me. Do what I Trust you. the process. Yeah. Some people hate to hear that, but – Man, is, is, is she right? And she's mm -hmm. good at that. So, That's so good. yeah. Okay, so we know what the next finish line is already, right? Yep. She kind of um, And mantra for you. Is there like, or a song? Uh, there's a couple. Okay. So, so a mantra that I really like is, um, we're the lucky ones. Mm. Um, so I, I think about that whenever it's tough. So whenever I'm, I'm out running and something hurts and I'm struggling, yes, I yes. just remind myself that we are the lucky ones yep. to be out here, mm -hmm. um, especially having 
open heart surgery. Yes. I, I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you get to do this. That's yeah, the way, you yeah. get to do this. Yep. This is, you know, I, it's not that I have to run today. I get no, to run get today. To run. But, yep. but I, I do feel like lucky. We're the lucky one. I love, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, the song that I listen to to get amped up, it's kind of like, I feel like you need an, an explanation for it a little, but it's, it's a head full of dreams by Coldplay, but it's the live version from Buenos Aires. And it's because it opens with a speech from the movie, the dictator by Charlie Chaplin. Um, okay. so it has this, like when the song starts, like on Spotify or iTunes, you hear this, the roar of the crowd cause it's live. Yeah. And then this speech plays, it's like. 40, 30 seconds long, yeah. but it ends with, um, you, the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. And then the song starts and the crowd loses their minds. And if you think that you're about to bonk, I swear, if you put that on, you like, you you'll take off. Oh, I'm so interested. Oh my gosh. Like I, and I usually cry when I put it on too, I'm being honest. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I put it on, I get super emotional, yeah. but it's like, um, I saw that show live. I've seen them live a handful of times, Coldplay. Mm-hmm. They're more of like a pop band now, but uh, that song live, hearing the roar of the people, so cool. it's one way to get going for sure. Ugh. Everybody should like stop what they're doing right now and I'm, listen Well, to that. you better believe me. I'm already thinking about, I'm going to put that on my car when like, I get here. Like try it, just crank it and listen it. to that. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's fantastic. Ugh. Oh, Chris, this has been so fun. Yeah. We, there's so much me. that we could, I mean, I... There's so much more that I want to ask and talk to you about. I think what's cool is this doesn't have to be our last time yeah, doing this, sure. I hope. Um, but I hope everybody listening really loved that conversation with Chris. I mean, how could you not? This guy is amazing. Amazing. So I think this this episode's coming out right before the 4th of July. Um, so if you're listening to this, maybe during a 4th of July run, I don't know. Barbecue with family. I hope everybody has the best 4th of July and happy running. Happy running. <laughs>